Well, today we're in part seven in our new series in the book of James that's all about just simply doing what the word of God tells us to do. In the first chapter of James, James says, don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. And so that's what this series is all about, taking action on the word of God. Because even though it's really good to know it, it's even better to do it. Yes, it's good to study. Yes, it's good to know it. But it's good and even better to take action upon it. So today, as we move into the third chapter of James, I want to talk with you about doing what God's word says to do. Here it is, about managing your mouth. Everybody say, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. Because James is really clear about talking about how, how we manage what comes out of our mouths. What to do about those words that we just spit out of our mouths. Because words are powerful. Maybe your words are far more powerful than you really understand or, or think. And we speak lots of them, don't we? We speak lots of words. Now, your words can inspire, like Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream, or your words can incriminate. Your words can lay blame on other people. Or your words can insult other people, put them down, blame them, accuse them, abuse them. Or your words can incinerate. They can burn up or destroy the hopes and dreams and self-esteem of somebody else. So your words can inspire, but they can also incriminate, insult, and incinerate. The words that you spit out sometimes without much thought are so powerful more powerful than most of us think. And we do speak lots of them every day. And then you add just a little bit of caffeine to your system, and those words really begin to grow in number. Those words really begin to pick up speed as they come off our tongue, man. Anybody notice that caffeine does that to you? Man, it just, boy, the words just seem to grow and flow. I learned this week that... Uh, the average American has 30 conversations every day. So that means in just one year, your conversations alone could fill 66 books of 800 pages each. Did you know you're an author? <laughs> we speak that many words, and with that many words coming out of our mouths, there's a high probability that you're probably going to say something wrong. And maybe some of you have learned that you have even a natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Anybody want to be real honest with me this morning? Amen. Whether it's verbally or whether it's in an email, no matter where it comes from, you've got that natural ability to let the wrong word fly at the wrong time. There's an older lady who was talking to a, a stock boy in a grocery store. He's stocking shelves. And she walks up and says, can I have just a half head of lettuce? Well, he walked back to his manager to ask, not realizing that she was walking right behind him. And so he goes to the manager, he goes, there's an old bag out there who wants to buy a half head of lettuce. And about that time, he turns around, he sees she's standing right there, and he goes, if it's okay, this fine lady would like to buy the other half. Now, let's be honest as we begin this morning. Has there ever been a time when your mouth got you in trouble? Come on, come on, come on. Ever? Some of you are saying, no, not me. Yeah. 
we've all had our mouths get us into trouble. The bottom line is, though, is this. If you don't manage your mouth, someday it will get you in trouble. Now, there's more written in the, in the Bible here in James about the tongue and the words than any other book in the Bible. In fact, every single chapter in the book of James has something to say about our tongue, our mouth, our words, our speech. So let's begin in James chapter three. The Bible says this, we all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James is saying, man, if you can control your mouth, you've pretty much reached perfection. So he's not saying that you're sinless, that you're perfectly sinless, but he's saying if you've got control over what you say, if you've got control over your mouth, You've learned to control the most difficult part of your body. And therefore, you're pretty much perfect. So that kind of lets us know how tough it is to tame the tongue, to control our mouths. But folks, those of us who claim to be Christ followers, we need to control every part of our body. We need to keep every part of our body in check. We need to keep our body inside the boundaries of what God says is acceptable and pleasing to him. So that means this morning that we've got to learn to manage our mouths. We've got to learn to tame our tongues. We've got to learn to watch our words. But why is that so important? Well, write this down. Why should you watch your words? I mean, why should you be carefully watching what comes out of your mouth? Because you might be thinking, why in the world should I do that? Sometimes I say stuff and people get hurt, but they just need to get over it. You know, they're just too sensitive. You know, why should I watch my words? Well, James tells us why, because our words are so powerful. He gives us three reasons why we need to watch our words. Write this down. First of all, first reason, because your tongue directs where you go. You may not know this before, but your tongue directs where you go. Your tongue influences the direction of where your life goes. Where are you headed in life this morning? Where do you want your life to be 10 years from now? Look at your words. What do you like to talk about? What do you spend your time talking about? What do you talk about most? Well, it's really interesting as I was thinking about this. Early in my life, junior high, high school, my passion was music. Music was all I thought about. Music was all I talked about. Any spare moment, I was playing music, doing music. And then it moved into high school, starting groups, traveling in groups, going to college, starting more groups, traveling across the nation, doing all these kind of things in music. And I realized that what I was talking about was actually happening. And God was leading me that direction. And then I started saying, God, there's so many people in this world. There's not enough churches to reach the the people of this world to share your message of love and forgiveness. My heart broke, and I just started talking with all my heart and line about starting a new church, something that had never existed before. And and look what happened. (laughs) You see, what you talk about gives direction to your life. The truth is, you might want to write this down somewhere. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. We shape our words, and then our words shape us. Now, the Bible says the tongue is a small part of the body. Yeah. It's it's tiny. It's it's small. And because it's small, we think it's pretty insignificant. But, folks, our tongue has tremendous power. The Bible says this. When we put bits in the mouths of horses, we can turn the whole animal. 
So think about this. Think about a small bit in a big horse's mouth. And so you've, you've got a huge animal like this that weighs over a 1,000 pounds with a little rider sitting on top of a 1,000-pound animal and that tiny little bit that puts just a little bit of pressure on that tongue, that rider's able to control that horse, direct that horse, start the horse, stop the horse. It makes a whole lot of difference. In just case you're wondering, yes, that's Shirley's brother. That's uh, Cowboy Randy from Kansas, and he's the real deal. Has 200,000 head, head of cattle and rides that horse every day. And yet it's just amazing how that tiny little bit on that tiny little tongue can cause that animal to do whatever he wants it to do. Folks, in the same way, by controlling your small but powerful tongue, you can control the whole body and the direction of your life. The Bible goes on and says this in James, verse four, or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and they're driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. How many have been down to the Queen Mary at Long Beach? Anybody? Yeah. Big, big ship. Maybe you don't realize this, but that ship has three full acres of space. What's that? This property that we sit on, three acres. So every square inch of this property, that ship is that big. It has an anchor that weighs more than 10 cars, over, over 40,000 pounds, just the anchor. It has a gross weight of nearly 82,000 tons. And yet its small rudder that just weighs 140 tons has steered that ship of 82,000 tons wherever the pilot wanted it to go. And for years it crossed the Atlantic over a thousand different times, that rudder keeping it on course. Your tongue is like that. Your tongue is the rudder that steers you. Your tongue directs where you go. It's the steering wheel of your life. So if you don't like where you're headed now, maybe you need to change where you talk or how you talk. Your tongue directs where you go. Now some people think that if the tongue has that much influence, maybe it's just best to not say anything at all. And so one guy tried that. One guy joined a monastery, and for three years he was told he could not speak at all. But then they kind of loosened the rules at the end of each year, and he was allowed to say two words at the end of every year. After the first year, he said, bed hard. <laughs> After the second year, he said, food cold. After the third year, he said, I quit. <laughs> and the priest running the monastery said, that doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you got here. <laughs> <laughs> but his tongue changed his direction. It, it took him out of the monastery. Now, you've got to watch what you say because your tongue determines where you go. But next, write this down. It also destroys what you have. Your tongue can destroy what you have today. It can take what you have today and remove it from your life forever. How? Take a look at this. The Bible says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. So just imagine a beautiful mountain landscape covered with a beautiful forest. Then imagine a California fire reducing it to ashes, completely destroyed by one tiny spark. We, we know how much damage a spark can do here in Southern California. 
Jesus says that your tongue can destroy things just like a fire. A careless camper can destroy an entire forest. But listen, a careless word can destroy a life. Words like a fire can destroy lives. I wonder how many people, because of a careless word, have destroyed their marriage or their family, a career, a friendship, or even a church. Folks, listen, a tongue can destroy what you have if you don't learn how to control it because it is like a fire. Have you, have you ever met somebody that's kind of like a verbal arsonist? <laughs> you know, whatever they say is hot. It's always hot. It's always on fire. It, it's always inflammatory. Well, Jesus said words like a fire can actually burn people. Now, we know that fire under control is awesome. It gives warmth, it gives light, but when fire is out of control, it can devastate, it can eliminate. And the Bible says you have to live with the consequences of everything you say. The Bible goes on and says it, the tongue, the tongue sets the whole course of this life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. So, so look at the words whole course. James is saying that your words, my words, can create a chain reaction. You could say something that you didn't really mean to do any harm, but those words set off a chain reaction, and all at once you got World War III in your house. Those words can change the whole course of your family, the whole course of your life, and it can happen so easily. I mean, you're trying to hurry home. In Southern California, we don't hurry home, especially on the 91, Amen or 55, well, we don't hurry home, but you're hurrying home from some errand or work, you're hot, you're hungry, you're a little cranky, and then it happens. Suddenly, the husband enters the door, he yells at the wife, the wife yells at the oldest kid, the oldest kid yells at the baby, the baby bites the dog, the dog bites the cat, the cat comes in and scratches the baby, and then the baby bites the head off of Barbie. I mean, it just sets in course this whole chain of events, and it changes everything. Would have been better if the husband just came in and took Barbie and bit the head off, <laughs> left the family alone. A couple went in for marriage counseling, and they said, I said this, then she said that, and all hell broke loose. Listen, your words can cause all hell to break loose. And that's why James has said that you got to learn to manage your mouth because it not only directs where you go, it can destroy what you have. Your mouth, your words can cause you to lose your family, lose touch with your kids, maybe lose your career. Your words can be like a fire and set the whole house on fire. So the Bible says this, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. James also goes on and says that the tongue is also like a wild animal. The Bible says this, all kinds of animals have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So listen, folks, this verse is telling us it's humanly impossible to tame the tongue. We can tame all kinds of animals, but we can't seem to tame this, this human tongue. But listen close, there's still hope. 
You can't tame it. I can't tame it. But God Almighty can tame it. Amen? God Almighty can help you tame the tongue. Now, when Lion Country Safari was open, there was this big sign that said, don't get out of your car. Why? Because the same animals that looked so tame, if you got out of your car, opened your door, they could rip your head off. They could lash out at any moment just like a mouth, and they could do incredible damage. And the words that we speak can do incredible damage. In fact, they can be like a poison, literally like snake venom. Just a few drops can kill. I don't know if you thought about this, but you can assassinate somebody with your words. You can have such a deadly weapon by using your tongue in the wrong way that with it, you can murder someone or you can mend someone. You can assassinate someone or you can heal someone. Your tongue is powerful. And so you've got to watch what you say because it determines where you go. It can destroy what you have, but write this down, but it also displays who you are. Your tongue displays who you are. It reveals your real, real character. It kind of tattles on you <laughs> about what's really inside of you. James first talks about how inconsistent we are with our words. The Bible says, with the tongue, we praise the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Bible goes on to say, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this shouldn't be. And so, folks, we do these things, praise and curse, with the very same mouth. So that means we come to church on Sunday and we sing praises to God, which is the highest use of our tongue. We get in our car, we leave the parking lot, somebody cuts us off and we swear because they cut us off on our way to lunch. Isn't it amazing how quickly our words can change? One minute we're saying praise the Lord, the next minute we're saying shut up or something worse. The problem is this, tongues can be so inconsistent. So how is it possible one minute to be so loving and the next minute to be so harsh with the people that you really love? The question is this, are you struggling today with an inconsistent tongue? Do you speak words in love in one breath but lash out in anger in the next? And sometimes you find yourself even saying to yourself, what gives? What's up with that? Why do I do that? Well, James helps answer the question in verses 11 through 12. He goes, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, the point to that is that whatever is at the source is what comes out, not something different. What is stored in the well is what gets pumped out. If it's fresh water in the well, fresh water comes out. If it's salt water in the well, salt water comes out. I was probably about 15 years old, and I was living with my folks on a farm, a small farm in Iowa, and dad was busy in the fields, and we just put some new cattle down in one of our furthest away pastures. And he said, Larry, go down there. I don't think they have enough water. And in those days, we had these big, big oval tanks, and we had, 
I'm probably too old. You probably have never seen one of these. But these big old iron metal pumps that stood about this high had the big old handle. And you'd pump the water up like that. He said, Larry, go down and pump out some new water. Fill that tank so the cattle have enough water. So I go down there, and I'm having a good time. We just got a new pump. It was just awesome, working great. So I was pumping out the water, and all at once, out of the pump, slithered a big old snake right out of that pump. And I'm kind of like Indiana Jones. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I was out of there as fast as I could get out of there. Big old snake plopped right into the tank. Here's the truth. The real problem is not our tongue. The real problem is not the pump. The thing that pumps out our words. Not the real problem. The real problem is what's in the well. What's in the heart. That's the real problem. Because what is inside is what comes out. And that shows what is really on the inside of you. And sometimes we can fool people for a while, but eventually your tongue is going to show the real you. So, you know, we can paint up the pump and we can make the outside of the pump look really good. But what's inside is eventually going to come out. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't know what got into me. It's not like me to ever say something like that. But James will say, yes, it is. (laughs) It's just like you. You really meant that. So quit kidding yourself. What's inside you is going to come out. You don't have a spring that one minute gives fresh water and the next minute gives salt water. It's natural law that what comes out in the well is what's in the well. If you've got love in the well, love's going to come out. If you've got anger and bitterness and hatred in the well, that's what's going to come out. If you've got peace in the well and encouragement in the well, that's what's going to come out. But if you've got frustration in the well, that's what's going to come out. The Bible says it this way, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Everybody go, oh, whoa. (laughs) Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's really not a tongue problem. It's a heart problem. Your tongue directs where you go. It can destroy what you have. It displays who you are. So if you've got a problem with your tongue, it's more serious than you think. You've got a heart condition. It's a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has a heart problem. And so write this down. So how do you change your words? If it's really a heart problem, how do you go about taming your tongue? How do you go about managing your mouth? Well, to tame your tongue, first of all, you gotta get a new heart. You've just got to get a new heart. The Bible says it this way. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed. In other words, go to God and confess them. And get a new heart and a new spirit. Like I said, painting the outside of the water pump doesn't make any difference if there's poison inside the well. So you got to confess your sins. you got to get the snake out outside of the well. And that means you can make changes on the inside, but what you really need are changes on the outside, but what you really need is a change on the inside. You need a new heart. So the question is, how do you get that new heart? Well, the Bible says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And many of us know that scripture. We've invited Jesus Christ into our life. And when he's in us, the old is gone, the new has come. But so many of us stop there. We don't keep growing closer to Jesus Christ. And we don't say, Lord Jesus Christ, have leadership or control of every part of me, every square inch of me. 
We need to keep growing closer to Jesus every day and let him have every part of us. But so often we just stop by inviting him in as Savior and Lord. We stop there. But every day we need to pray like David. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew within me a steadfast spirit. And then we need to go beyond that and say, God, I not only need a new heart, but God, I need your help. We need to ask God for his sovereign, powerful help. We need supernatural power to control our tongues. You and I, we can't do it on our own. We've probably already proved that, amen? We said some pretty nasty things, wrong things at the wrong time. We need God's supernatural power to help us. And that's why David prayed this. God set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, God, if that door's open and it shouldn't open, God, close it, guard it. That's why David prayed this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So ask God to help you with what you allow into your heart to think about, first of all. What are you watching? What are you listening to? Ask God to help you kind of censor that stuff. Then ask him to put a muzzle on your mouth to guard your lips. And then ask him to help you so that your words are pleasing to him and to others. Ask God for his help because you can't control your tongue without it. Longtime author Sidlow Baxter says this, the proof that God's spirit is in your life is not that you speak with an unknown tongue, but that you control the tongue you know. Amen? You control this one that you know. So how do you change your words? You get a new heart, you ask God for his help, and then last, you need to think before you speak. Now, I've been talking about getting a new heart and asking God for help. I needed an H word. The only word I could come up with was hurl, and I didn't think, you know, need to think before you hurl. (laughs) I didn't think that'd be a good word. You're getting it. So in other words, think, engage your mind before you unleash your tongue and hurl words from your mouth. The Bible says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Folks, this morning, what is it that your tongue is saying about you? What is it that it's revealing about the inside of you? Is there anger there? Is there jealousy there? Is there greed or lust or fear or hate there? And it's starting to come out? Well, we gotta deal with the heart. It's really a heart issue. And folks, I'm telling you, if you let God have control of every part of you and you submit to say, I not only want you to save me from my sins, but I want you to have lordship over my entire being. I want you to govern me, guide me, lead me, I want you to have every part of me. Then he fills you and he cleanses you and he empowers you to live for him. And he controls your mouth, your words, your tongue. It all starts in here. Amen? It starts in the heart. So if your tongue or mouth has caused you to hurt someone, maybe you need to go to them and ask forgiveness. If you need to go to your kids or your spouse. Maybe you need to say, I've been so inconsistent. Sometimes I'm loving. Sometimes I'm harsh. I want you to know I'm sorry. 
I'm asking God to give me a new heart, a new way of speaking. So once again, the Bible says, rid yourself of all your fences and get a new heart and a new spirit. Getting a new spirit means you simply humble yourself. You say, God, I'm tired of acting like I know everything, like I've got everything wired, like I'm perfect. I'm not. God, I confess that I need your help. I need your power. God, I need a new spirit. I humble myself before you. I admit that. I admit that I've mismanaged my mouth. I need to ask for your forgiveness. I'm asking for your help. You do that, and God will begin to help you tame your tongue. Here's the bottom line. Manage it, or it will manage you. That's the bottom line. As I close, I want to share with you, there's a tombstone in England that reads like this. Beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. (laughs) I want to encourage you to not wait that long to start holding your tongue. Don't let death be the thing that causes you to manage your tongue. Let God help you do it right here, right now. Let's be the church that leaves these doors Sunday after Sunday, moves out into our community, moves out into our workplaces, and we're, we're, we're speaking words that lift, encourage, heal, bless. Let's be the church. And people will look at us and say, I don't know what you got, but I need something of, some, of, some of that that you've got. Simply because of how we talk. Amen? That's the greatest way that we can be a witness. Let's pray. Maybe you'd like to pray this prayer with me in your heart as I pray it. Maybe you'd like to say, God, I need a heart transplant. I need a new heart so I can manage my mouth. Today, I ask that you take control of my life. I ask for a new heart. Help me control my tongue. Father, it thrills my heart to know that when we pray something like this, we're praying right in the center of your will. And the word tells us that when we pray in the center of your will, you not only hear it, you not only hear us, but you do what we've asked. Lord, when we ask that you give us a new heart, you do that. When we really submit to you as our leader, as our Lord, you give us a new heart and you fill us fresh and full of your spirit and you empower us to overcome. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do in us and through us. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday. Lord bless you.